something that most folks don't necessarily recognize is that the Crown Act actually is against racial discrimination, period. That was Ajua B. Asamoah, who currently leads the nationwide advocacy efforts for the Crown Act, which means to create a respectful and open world for natural hair. And that's what the Crown Act is set to do. So while the intent of this is to address the widespread racial discrimination that has been on the receiving end, that Black people have been on the receiving end, I should say, the Crown Act actually prohibits race-based discrimination in general. Let's take a step back for a second. Imagine being judged by the texture of your hair or by your hairstyle. Unfortunately, it's an experience many African-American men and women know all too well. If not that experience, black and brown people can talk about how they often feel the pressure to alter their hair texture to be accepted by corporate America. Representative Namdi Chukwocha Representative Melissa Minor Brown and Representative Kendra Johnson, one of the Crown Act sponsors, as well as political strategist Ajua B. Asamoa, came together to shed more light on this legislation designed to legally protect those who rock their natural hair and texture. From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, you're listening to Whip Count. I like to start this podcast off with Representative Kendra Johnson and a very special guest, Ajua B. Asamoa. She is the lead strategist when it comes to the Crown Act, and that's the focus of our conversation. It has already passed the Senate and is now up to the House to advance it, legally banning hair discrimination in Delaware. Before we get into a deep conversation, let's first define hair discrimination. What is it? Hair discrimination is is what we've known has existed for years, years, decades, centuries even. And that is um, people being discriminated against based off of how they wear their hair. So exactly what it sounds like. Uh, For Black people, that has uh, been a prevalent form of discrimination that includes being fired, passed over for promotions and even having offers of employment rescinded. It has resulted in um, impacts our upward mobility of individuals and families, but it's also been the reason that far too many of our children have missed school and have had negative educational experiences. So it's been one of those forms of discrimination that we all know about, that we talk about, meaning sisters and brothers and children alike uh, in our, at our kitchen tables and what we're going to do with our hair for this interview, et cetera, et cetera. So it's something that has really been a prevalent form of discrimination. But prior to the Crown Act, it has not hit mainstream media, if you will, and been the topic of conversations for others outside of our community. Can any of you share an experience with our audience that involved hair discrimination? So, you know, I've worked, of course, at the the local, state, and federal levels on this issue. And we, you know, it disproportionately impacts Black women, although not exclusively. It certainly impacts Black men. It also impacts Black children. And as I think about the work that we've done, it's really, in addition to our folks in the workplace, 
I really think about students' lived experiences in these school settings that should be conducive to their learning and their growth. I'm thinking about the suspension rates that are disproportionate and the Black students who are already over-disciplined and even criminalized in too many instances. So some of the cases that we are discussing certainly are about you know, the discrimination that we face in the workplace, but also the work that really informs what we're doing legislatively has been about those of children. So imagine a young Faithfinity in Louisiana being sent home in tears. Yeah. Or beautiful braids that were deemed a violation of schools. Think about a DeAndre Arnold in Texas, who was told he could not participate in his high school graduation ceremony with his friends because of his locks, a display of his cultural pride. And now I want you to think about Andrew Johnson in New Jersey, which is not far away from Delaware. A student wrestler who was forced to make a decision he should have never had to make, and that is being tasked with um, having his locks cut in no particular fashion, just his, his locks randomly cut and his identity attacked, or forfeiting a match he had the right to participate in, that he had earned the right to participate in based on talent. So the psychological impact of being told essentially that the way you are born is not okay, that your culture is not okay in terms of how you wear your hair is simply something people shouldn't have to endure. Not our young people for sure, not adults for sure, uh, but our people should really be in environments that are conducive to their growth and learning. The damage to one's self-esteem can be long lasting and the perceptions of self-worth can be impacted all in ways that simply should not exist. So even if you are not personally on the receiving end of hair discrimination, this is a problem that warrants a legislative fix. There has been a long-standing and problematic practice of hair discrimination, which we maintain is racial discrimination in this country, so much so that you don't have to personally be impacted to feel the need to join mm -hmm. in outlawing hair discrimination, which is what this movement is all about. Representative Melissa Minor-Brown now joins the conversation, but before I go to her, I'd love to hear from Representative Johnson. Please tell us if hair discrimination is something you worry about as a mother. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, this legislation is so needed, and I just imagine the good that will come as a result because we're finally having these conversations and not just having the conversations within our community with, with the people who live these experiences, but we're opening the door to everyone else so that they know this is a problem because if they're, if they're not, engaged and if they don't know that the problem exists then their behavior can't change as a result right so when i think about my beautiful black daughter and she is rocking her natural afro i look at her and i marvel you know why because at her age that wasn't an option for me 
at her age, my mom was already giving me relaxers. I had been receiving relaxers since I was seven years old, right? Because my mother grew up in a time where that's what you did. You didn't rock your natural Afro, okay? You straightened your hair, you got a jerry curl, you did whatever it is that- Not the jerry curl now. <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> that mainstream, you know, uh, mainstream said what was beautiful. So that, you know, straight hair was beautiful. A jerry curl, believe it or not, was beautiful. But what wasn't beautiful, my natural black hair wasn't beautiful. And Ajawa spoke to it when she talked about self-esteem, when she talked about the, the psychological damage. I don't think people realize how that impacts you as a young person and also as an adult, when you have to, as I have had to, you know, take my, my natural braids out of my hair and straighten my hair for that appointment, uh, for, for that job interview. So I'm excited. I'm happy for the kids who are now going to grow up, like my daughter, who are going to feel and know that they are free to rock their natural crown any way they see fit and not feel less than beautiful or undesirable or uneducated or unkempt as a result. What about you, Representative Minor Brown? Have you ever experienced hair discrimination? I have experienced hair discrimination. And the sad part about it is, you know, like, like Rep Representative Johnson said, it, it just has real life impacts on individuals, on your, on your mental health, your physical health, um, you know, for adults, even on just economics and, and financial health. It just throws off your whole well-being, you know? It, it's like devastating when you are basically forced to change your natural self to, to please or to fit in with um, the perception that white America sees as appropriate. You know, if your hair is not straight or fixed a certain type of way um, to look like a person of European descent, you know, nappy or kinky equals inappropriate or unkempt or even dirty, something like this, you know, in the workplace locks, this would be dirty, you know? So it's unfortunate, like even for our children, you know, there are kids that have been given detention or um, in school suspension or even expelled or, be, or told that they can't come back unless they, they change their hair, remove their locks or take their braids out, you know, and, and the school officials are the ones that have actually um, sat down and taken cut kids hair because they, they had to have their braids or locks out before they could participate in sports and the negative impact that that has on an individual's self-esteem is just, it's just so sad, you know? So yeah. so excited to just work on this, but yes, I have experienced hair discrimination. And representative, yeah. you touched on something, the issue of Eurocentric beauty standards that continue to perpetuate injustice and equity and discrimination in both the workplaces and schools, and of course, other environments against black people, it warrants a legislative fix. The Crown Act is the legislative fix. So whether you are wearing your hair naturally, meaning without 
uh, chemicals, but blown out like mine is today or in the twist that I had two weeks ago or in the locks that you're rocking or the way Representative Johnson is rocking her crown. This is about preserving and protecting legally our right to rock our crown however we see fit. And that's important to note because you know, some people I've been working on this at the, again, the local, state, and federal level, and people are like, wait, what do you mean you have to outlaw hair discrimination? You have to outlaw it because short of having laws, it will continue to happen. And that's not to say that every case is going to disappear with the passage of the Crown Act, but what it does is it extends statutory protection to our crowns to state explicitly that hair discrimination is racial discrimination. And in states nationwide, in the absence of the Crown Act, our hair is not covered. Some people believe that our hair is covered under the current classification of race, and it is not. And that's this whole immutability argument. You can change it whether you shouldn't. But we are about maintaining the health of our hair. And so that's where the protective styles come in. And we should not have to this is not saying you have to do anything different with your hair in terms of, well, if you don't want to straighten it, that's your business. If you want to straighten it, that's also your business. This is not a movement about judgment. This is about extending statutory protection, which to include hair texture, again, the, the, the traits that are historically associated with race, such as hair texture and the protective style. So I just want to add, wanted to add that to the conversation because some people think it's already covered and it's like, no, that's why the Crown acted. No. So no, yeah, extending protections right. to our folks. It's not covered. And unfortunately, we have to create laws to teach people how to treat us, to teach people how to respect us, to teach people how to humanize us. But if that's what we have to do, look, I'm here for it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we had to outlaw enslavement. So it's not like people are just gonna wake up one day and start, you know, treating you the way you should be treated. And so um, and I'm not likening this movement to that, but I am just noting the importance of, of extending statutory protection and, to ch and changing the law. I just want to remind the audience what the Crown Act stands for. It means to create a respectful and open world for natural hair. Why do you think it's taken this long to address natural hair? It's an important conversation. And all of you pretty much have brought up some great nuggets. But why now? I think that the problem predates everybody on this call. We have some, I'm going to call you uh, representatives. We are, we are relatively young. This is certainly older. This problem is older uh, than all of us. We have grown tired of not only being on the receiving end of discrimination, and I'm talking in my personal capacity. So yes, I, I lead the legislative uh, strategy uh, on behalf of the Crown Coalition, but I am talking in my personal capacity today. All of my work is rooted in fighting against uh, anti-Blackness. All of my work is about advancing racial equity. So this movement is in neat alignment with it. Being tired of being on the receiving end of discrimination prompts this work to be done. Again, in the absence of it, it is perfectly legal, again, because of that immutability, con uh, immutability concept. I'll add this and then I will be quiet and defer to, to the, the brilliant representatives. For too long, 
white public opinion has informed public policy overwhelmingly. We have representatives. Black, pub black public opinion must also inform public policy. So this, the way I have seen sisters owning this movement across the country and in being engaged civically, every time I see a sister stand up or a brother and say, this is my first time ever participating in a hearing, ever delivering testimony, people really see themselves in this movement. And because it resonates, it's something that has been picked up nationwide. Representative Johnson, you're not the prime sponsor of this bill, but you're one of the sponsors. Tell us about any pushback or what would you like to say to folks who want to know why Delaware? Why is this bill necessary here in Delaware? Oh, wow. Why Delaware? <laughs> and, and my response is why not Delaware? Okay. Because we have Black folks who live in Delaware as well, who have had the same experiences. So why not Delaware? And it's time. I'm sure people have noticed that Representative Johnson, you change your hair often and you as well, Representative Melissa Minor Brown. Do people question you about your hair? I see I see Ajua nodding her head a bit. <laughs> you know, the the it's 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 interesting. So right now I the 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 way I am wearing my hair, it appears to be more natural, okay? Uh, previously, my, my hair was uh, straighter and curly. I, and, and I think people are just so ready for change and ready to embrace change and differences. And why do I say that? I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the market because of COVID, that's pretty much the only place you can go right now, right? <laughs> yes. so I go to the market and literally, I will have Caucasian women and men come up to me saying, oh my gosh, your hair is beautiful. And like that, for me, it takes me, you know, I'm taken aback because that's not anything I'm accustomed to, especially when I'm wearing it like this, right? So I, I think that, I think people are ready, ready for change. And I think that Man, 2020 just has been horrific, right? In so many ways. And that for our allies who are open and now aware, more aware than ever of the plight of living as a Black person, they want to be a part of the change. And they now feel more comfortable to say, wow, your, your hair is really pretty. Now, luckily, I haven't had anybody reach out to touch my hair. Um, my daughter, on the other hand, when she's wearing her afro at school, she, she had to tell a couple teachers, no, don't, don't touch my crown. Representative Namdi Chukwocha is now with us, joining the conversation on hair. You used to wear your hair in locks. Have you ever experienced hair discrimination? I know your locks were pretty long at one point. Yeah, of course. You know, I mean, from, you know, being pulled over, you know, by it and people having certain opinions, weed smoking and everything else being viewed as, as unprofessional, even, you know, dressed in a suit and tie and walking into a school and 
a receptionist asking me, basically reading me the riot act, like, why are you here type of thing? So it, it happens, it def definitely happens. It has happened to me and, you know, it was part of the reason why it was, it was such a, a strong part of who I was because I knew what I was up against and it, it was a part of just realizing that this is the struggle that we're in. Can we really protect our hair with public policy? This question is for any of the legislators. I'm not a, an elected official. I will say that as the one doing this work in partnership with, with members like those uh, who are bold uh, and willing to stand up for us um, with where they sit like we have uh, today, this is also about shifting culture. So you shift policy and shift culture simultaneously. It's not like by passing the Crown Act explicitly that that, that no one will ever you know, try to discriminate against someone based on hair. So I just wanted to weigh in and note that this is both about shifting policy as well as culture at the same time, but they're definitely connected. What do employers need to know when it comes to complying with the Crown Act? To be honest, I think employers just need to get with the program. <laughs> they have to update their policies and remove the bias and educate their staff that it's against the law to, to penalize Black identity, period. Um, I, I agree with what Representative Minor Brown said, and I, I instantly put on my former hat of, of being an executive director. And so in that role, the first thing I would think is, all right, new legislation just passed. I need to make sure that every individual who reports to me, one, knows that is, is aware of this, two, that I take that time and I educate them. Three, yes, we update all policies and procedures. We may even have to do some role playing as well so that everyone is clear on what this is and what the expectations are as it relates to making sure you don't find yourself in a situation where you have just discriminated against an individual based on their hair. You know, so it's, it's, it, it is the education, it is the conversation, and I would imagine that, you know, those HR professionals out there, just as I outlined a few things, they're going to be doing the same thing because, you know, discrimination, regardless of what type of discrimination it is, that's not anything that any employer wants to have to contend with. It seems like there's a lot of Delaware support in regards to the Crown Act. The National Coalition of 100 Black Women of Delaware, the Metropolitan Wilmington Urban League, and the list goes on in terms of support. How does this feel? Exciting. 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 Um, long overdue. But I, I'm just going to be joyful in this moment for the progress and for the future. Part of our strategy in building out the National Coalition, which was co-founded by Dove and the National Urban League, but that has uh, received support from so many entities, part of my, my strategy in building out a coalition is so that when Representative Johnson and Minor Brown say, hey, we're going to uh, be the Crown Act champions, I can then just mobilize people at the local level. So our National Crown Coalition, which is an alliance that was formed solely uh, to outlaw hair discrimination. Uh, 
enjoying support from our civil rights organizations. The, the, the Crown Coalition includes NAACP, Legal Defense Fund, Delta's, Links, National Council of Negro Women, Association of Black Psychologists, U.S. Black Chambers of Commerce, National Action Network. I called on my friends who lead these organizations um, and we work together in other spaces to say, will you stand with us against hair discrimination? And without hesitation, each one has said yes. So there is power in the collective and there is power again in saying that yes, it is black public opinion that also informs policy. So this national coalition has grown to include support from over 70, not only legacy uh, civil rights organizations, but from organizations that prioritize social action and civic engagement. And the reason that we approached it from the national level is so that as I am working in these different states and with local representatives, that we can just mobilize. So when your hearing is coming up, Representative Johnson and Mitra Brown, it is, okay, everybody who's already lined up, call your national presidents because I belong to several of these organizations, National Council of Negro Women, NAACP, Association of Black Psychologists. I pay my dues to all of them. <laughs> say, I do, you can't get in trouble, Delta, all of them. It is, this member is already bringing forth legislation that everyone has already agreed they stand in support of, and then folks can come and support you all at the local level. Certainly a reminder that civic engagement is really important. Anything you'd like to say, Representative Chakwocha, to your constituents about getting involved or supporting this bill? Yeah, I think it just anything. I mean, as has been noted by the wide array of, of support for the measure that this is something that can bring us together. And that's something that's very important to, to our community, especially the, the women within our, our community for a long time. And it, I mean, you can remember, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but everyone was all up in arms about Allen Iverson wearing braids. I, I remember my cousin in the military when they, they weren't allowed to wear braids. I mean, so it takes, it goes through, you know, ebbs and flows, but you realize that what, what it means, this, uh, your hair is a part of, of who you are, part of your culture. And when you begin to, to accept that, and when that's accepted by the greater society, it really is a, a measure of just us as a people being recognized for who we are and, and, and all that we are, including our hair, being a part of who we are and how we express ourselves as well. I remember when Alan Iverson was a topic of discussion because of his braids, reminding all of us to stand firm in what we believe. Uh, anyone else? Well, just to piggyback off of what Representative Chipotle said, you know, it, it's just it, everything just seems so much better when when we have diversity, right? We we just want to, you know, I look forward to the day when when my children, my grandchildren, and their grandchildren can just. Uh, you know, live in a world where we were valued for, for who we are and, you know, we can express our individuality without any consequences, you know, um, not being judged for or held back by the color of our skin or the kinkiness of our hair. Uh, but well, we have to do our part as well, you know. I want to be here for that and I, and, I, and I have faith that my grandchildren will, will experience that and their children, but, you know, we have to do our part as Black women and representative culture as Black men you know, to, to just continue to celebrate blackness because I can think back to the times where I'm like, oh my God, is this okay? Should I wear these? Should I wear my hair like this? Oh, I have to take pictures next week. I don't know. Is this okay? I have to stop that. 
You know, we have to celebrate blackness. We have to celebrate brown skin and, and uplift and empower our, our black sisters and brothers every age. Because so many people are struggling with this, whether they're young in elementary school or even our seniors. So, you know, even from birth. So just letting our children know that they're beautiful just the way they are and they don't have to change their hair uh, or their hair texture to, to be accepted because it's not their problem. You know, that, that's a white America problem. That's not our problem. You know, we're gonna work to try to bring people together and fix the issue, but letting our children know it, it's not your problem. You know, love yourself. You are beautiful. Your skin is beautiful. Your hair is beautiful. That's what makes you you and never ever change yourself to be acceptable to so, for someone else. And you said something that is so uh, powerful, Representative Minor Brown, and that is you talked about uh, Black women who, of course, uh, are disproportionately impacted by this issue of, of hair discrimination, but not exclusively. Black men uh, have also been on the receiving end, and we are inextricably linked. And so you'll note that, um, you know, this is a, a Black women-led movement. My colleagues are sisters who we started this movement in 2018 to outlaw hair discrimination. But because we are inextricably linked and what happens to Black women happens to Black men, happens to Black children, and we are a family and a community, it is also important to note that the brothers are also standing up. In the United States Congress, it is my friend, former Congressman Cedric Richmond, who has since transitioned, he was the prime sponsor in the United States House of Representatives. My good friend, Senator Cory Booker, is the prime sponsor in the Senate. And so I just wanted to highlight the two of them uh, because it is brothers who are also on the front lines of this movement with us. So yes, it disproportionately impacts Black women, but, but not exclusively. It certainly impacts our men as well as our children. And something that most folks don't necessarily recognize is that the Crown Act actually is against racial discrimination, period. So for example, and a lot of people are, you know, constantly like, really? For example, if you have a salon and there just so happens to be a European American loctician who's bad, let's just go with it. And the European American has straight hair and the shop owner says that you must lock your hair in order to uh, be employed here. The Crown Act would cover the European American as well. So while the intent of this is to address the widespread racial discrimination that has been on the receiving end, that black people have been on the receiving end, I should say, the Crown Act actually prohibits race-based discrimination in general. So if you are told that you must change your hair or the health of your hair, because the perms and the hair constant heating, you know, straightening of our hair, et cetera, is damaging to our hair. Then if you are told that you must undergo some sort of, you know, chemical treatment or heat to alter your hair to work there, then the Crown Act would cover you too. I'm glad you brought that up. That was my next question, does the Crown Act protect all races? I want to end this podcast by speaking life into those who are listening. In three words, how would you describe your natural hair? Well, you know, I would describe my daughter's hair because I always, I always tell her her hair is beautiful. She has beautiful, thick hair. You know, her strong, beautiful, thick hair. 
I think the original silence uh, prompted us to think. So thank you for that question. But I think it speaks to the fact that our hair is so many things depending on who you ask. So for some of us, it is a political statement. For other people, it is cultural identity. For some people, it is an accessory. Uh, so I think that it depends on who you ask. Black hair for us, hair for other, it means so many different things. Yeah. My hair is part of my identity. Uh, and it's difficult to uh, limit it to just three words, just because again, it means so many different things, but I think my hair is healthy and it grows and is mine. And the fact <laughs> and that this crown act is really about preserving and protecting my right to rock my crown however I see fit. So my hair is my black crown. And, and I, I love it the word crown because it just to me that's royalty you know your your crown is your royalty like Kendra tells her daughter you know that's your crown you know and her hair is beautiful she definitely rocks a fro and it's beautiful but that's what we have to we have to instill this in our children we have to representative Chacocha or representative Johnson what would you like to say yes I'll just say, I mean, my my first and I guess the, the prime word I would use is just Africa. Our, our hair is, is African and it's who we are and, and knowing your roots and what connects us. That's one thing that will never change that no matter you brought us from that continent, brought us all around the world. But that hair connects all of us and the, 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 the way our hair, I mean, in, in that climate, our original climate, how the, the, our, our hair cooled our scalps and it, it, we, it was so needed for who we were. It kept us uh, cool. It kept us just comforted in, in the midst of um, that, the climate we were naturally born in. And it also was, was, was our connection. It, it, no matter where you are, you, you recognize you. you know, when you look in that mirror, you, you see that. And that's what you see no matter where you see African folks. So it, it is us, it, it is who we are. And it's something that can never be taken away from us. Representative Johnson. Representative Chikocha, you just gave me chills. Same. You, you gave me chills because like, I never thought about it like that. And yeah, you know, our ancestors were taken from another country and, and we are here. Yet the one thing we know that has carried on generation to generation is our hair, that thing that connects us. I, 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 wow, I, actually you probably should have gone last because <laughs> it resonated. Now I have to just follow up with some random words. Thanks a lot for making that difficult. Um, but I just had to say that, wow, hair, it, it is a lot, um, it's a lot, but I will just offer uh, beautiful. My hair to me is, is everything. And when I think of, of black people's hair, I think strength, just, just strength. And when I, you know, as I shared, my daughter is, is actually rocking her Afro. Um, I, when she decided that she was going to do that, I thought, that is one fierce and courageous young lady. 
And when I was her age, when I was 16 years old, I didn't have that type of boldness to step out and say, this is my natural hair and I'm gonna rock it. So now with the Crown Act, perhaps it will encourage so many, not only children, but so adults too, okay? All of us to, to, to step out and, and wear our hair any way we see fit and know that no one can discriminate against you because of your styles. Whip Count is brought to you by the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dehousedems, on Twitter at dehousedems, on Instagram also at dehousedems. More episodes are coming, so make sure you're subscribed.